Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise his name. If you will turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse number 3. The Bible says in verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Today is the, the Holy Spirit gives us a new life and a hope for that eternal life. Today, if you will, you can be seated today. If you will, today in this service today, we're going to be talking about in this new series, we're going to be talking about, as Brother Toby's already talked about, is the work of the Spirit. And it will highlight the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. These lessons we'll explore today. Today, we're going to talk about the necessity of the Spirit. Then we'll talk about what it means to be led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. And then finally, the fourth week, we'll be talking about how we can receive victory through the Spirit. Though we are apostolics, we recognize the importance of being filled with the Holy Ghost. This series will challenge us to, to daily surrender to the work of the Spirit in our lives. That's what these lessons are going to do. It's going to our daily walk with God. We, we know we need the Holy Ghost. If you've been around this church or you've been around church very long and you know that you need the Holy Ghost and we know what it, it does for us in life. But we need to, we need to be challenged in, in our walk with God to surrender to that Spirit every day. Not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays, but every day. Today I wanted to start today with a story and my story begins to 30 and almost 30 and a half years ago to this to this this weekend, actually, 30 and a half years ago, me and my wife stood right in front of this, on this very platform, in front of our pastor, in front of some of the ones that's here today, and we vowed into our marriage. It's been 30 and a half years. But in that 30, but just, we, we stood here that day on that, and we, before we walked out that back door, you know, our lives was, you know, we, you know, I was 20 years old. Didn't have no gray hair. <laughs> but, but when we were left here today, that day, we walked out them doors. You know, we had the world by the tail, or we thought we did. You know, we was going into a marriage, and we had two, both of us had vehicles that was paid for, paid off. We lived in a, a brand new mobile home, or going to live in a brand new mobile home that had a payment of $169 a month. Think about how long that's been ago. 
but but here we were. We both had good jobs, and we was working, you know, made money, and we we just financially we was stable. You know, we we just knew we had everything we needed. We could we could just whatever we wanted to do, and we felt like we you know that, that we was going into this marriage per- perfectly. I mean, financially and every other way. But just a short time, and just like life is, just a short time into our marriage, we faced some life. Through health issues, my wife faced some things in her life that, that shook us to our core as a young married couple. We had a situation where we lost a daughter just two years into our marriage. Here I was four days after I turned 22 years old planning a funeral for my daughter. You know, here I was just, we was just kids. But life came at us fast. Life comes at ours, every one of us here today fast. Can I tell someone that life has a way of changing your future or changing your outlook of your future? We would need, in, in just a few short years after we got married, Things changed. We had, to, we had to discern better between needs and wants in our life. We would have to make some, some obvious adjustments into the way we was going to live our life. Still, the sea, this season refined our perspective regarding what really mattered in our life. You know, here, here we was just living life like life. We was just two young kids and excited and about life. But life situations changed that situation very fast. In our life, we found that we had to realize what really matters, what really mattered in our life. When we look at this as a, in a financial or economics way, some of these needs are called necessity, necessity goods. Necessity goods are the last thing customers stop buying when their income income declines. Necessities are things that we cannot live without. Generally, necessity goods are divided into six categories like food, utility, communications, housing, transportation, and our medicines that we have to have. They are, you know, we look at these situations, look at these things, you know, in life, we find things that you know, we cannot have, we have to do every day. We have to pay our bills. We have to, we have, to have things in life. They're becoming a necessity in our life. And so in life, there are, in our spiritual life, we, there are spiritual necessities just as well. Spiritual necessities are those commodities that we simply must have if we're going to have a right relationship with God. This list contains significant items such as prayer, Repentance, faith, obedience, the word of God, submission to God, water baptism, a pastor, and a church family. These are things that we have to have in our life. We cannot have, not just part of the time. We can't just do this part of the time. We've got to have this list list in our life every day. One gift we cannot purchase but we must have is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without this living dynamic, dynamic of God in our lives, we may have religion. We may be able to call ourselves a Christian, but we do not have a relationship that leads to eternal life. 
you got to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Being filled with the Spirit is the absolute must to live a victorious life. You can, we can go through this day and we say, I, you know, I'm a person in my life, I think I can handle whatever situation that comes up that day. And that's a, that's a depriment to my, my, my walk, walk every day because sometimes I think I can take care of. But we take that spirit, that same mindset or that same into our spiritual life where we think we can take on whatever comes on. But I'm here today to tell you, what we gonna, you're going to face some things when we walk out them doors today that without the Holy Ghost, we're not going to be able to handle. Without the Holy Ghost living inside of us, there's some things that we cannot resist. And that's what we got to have every day to have a victorious life. Jesus chose very early in his public ministry to have a conversation with Nicodemus about the new birth in John 3. As a member of the Sanhedrin, he, the highest ruling body among the Jewish culture, he had a significant influences and means. He, he, was, he was not just a guy, a normal guy. Here Nicodemus was somebody that had, he had political power. He had financial power. He could buy whatever he wanted. Or he could, get, or he could, he could make things happen because of his, his place in society. But he watched Jesus teaching and doing miracles and desired to speak with him and to learn more about that. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and acknowledged Jesus' heavenly origin. He said in John 3 and 2, he says, No man said, he said, can do miracles that thou doest except God be with him. But at the one point I want to bring out is Nicodemus, the Bible says he went to him at night because he didn't want to interfere with his, didn't want nobody to know that what he was doing. He wanted that power, but he didn't want nobody else to know that he wanted, needed that power. He didn't want nobody else to need, know that he needed Jesus or he needed that or he, he, there was a need in his life because sometimes in society, we're like Nicodemus. We can find ourselves like, well, I know I need God, but I don't want nobody to know that I need something. I don't want to know that I'm, because sometimes when we, we realize, show that we need something, that comes across, we think that comes across as a weakness. We think that comes off of, well, I can't handle my situation, or I can't handle this. And, and my male ego sometimes says, well, I can handle whatever comes up. And so that, that bleeds over, and sometimes and I, I, I want to, but, but the biggest testimony we could have today is allow God, people, people to see that we need God. I've stood in many prison services with some guys that was pretty rough and tough, and I've seen them before, you know, in, in, in them services, and you know when you're in a prison service and you see these guys that's got tattoos all over them, and they're big and buff guys, and they are sin, and their world is... You can see the signs and the, the scars of that on their life. And you see them standing there in front of the, their peers and there's tears flowing down their face. You know that's sincere. You know when them guys are, are, are broken. I've seen guys that, was, that probably no telling what their life was like before. They were known as in gangs. And I, I've met some guys that was, was kingpins in some gangs that was stood before me and stood before their peers and wept. You know, and as a male, we, we think of that sometimes as a, a weakness to cry. But I've had these guys tell me they were broken. 
they, they, they knew they needed God and they didn't care who knew it. And say so they knew, and, and, and I've had them tell me before, just a few weeks ago, one guy told me, he says, he says I, don't, I don't care what they said. I don't care what these other guys think. I need God. And so sometimes in life, you know, this is, I feel like the spirit of Nicodemus gets on us. And I believe our biggest testimony was, is allow our, our peers or the people we work with every day that know that we, that show them that we need God. So that when they go through something in their life, they can know that's where they can turn. You know, sometimes we look at life and people looks at us as, well, we were Christians and well, they don't, they don't see where our true power comes from. They see us handling situations. They see us handling things in their life, you know, in, in a society, and they say, well, there's, there's something different about them. But I think it's a, it'd be a testimony of us to allow them to know what that difference is. We can't hide in the darkness. But John, and, but he said, in John 3 and 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. While this phrase born again is common to most of us sitting here today, consider how confusing this term must have been to Nicodemus. You know, here, we've heard this. We've heard being born again. Or we've heard the, this phrase. And sometimes, you know, and I, when I was reading this and studying this, I, th- I thought about, you know, some of our church language to some of the ones, you know, the, the visitors and people that's never been around church. We throw out, throw out sayings and things like this, and sometimes in that sayings, we, we you know, we, we go, but they don't understand what we're talking about. And, and I know I keep sharing some to the jail and the prison ministries, but we've met, that's where my ministry's at, so that's where I have some testimonies from. But, but, but I've been and saw people that was, that was grown, that were older, older than I was. And, and Brother Boyd, one time, me and him was teaching a Bible study. He was teaching a Bible study, and the guy was sitting on the bench. And Brother Boyd started sharing a story out of the Bible, just common story that we, we've heard all of our life. And this guy was like, who is Paul? Who is this guy? Is this some guy that goes to y'all's church? I mean, this is, this, that's how much they didn't know about the Bible. And, and so sometimes the world we live in today, you know, we have to be careful about this language. And I know I'm getting off of, off of my notes today but on that, but sometimes we have to be careful because sometimes we got to not simplify some things. We got to explain them because sometimes we just go through it and we say, well, you need to be born again. And they're like, like Nicodemus, they're like, do I need to be reborn? I mean, do I need to go back through the womb? I mean, how do, what do you mean by that? Or when we throw things like you need the Holy Ghost, they don't understand. Some, some people don't understand what that is. And so sometimes we have to go a little bit more. We can't use big words sometimes. Our, our, our vocabulary that we use in the church because they don't, some people don't understand that. And it's confusing to them. And it's easy to get some more confused that's already confused. And so we, we should be trying to clarify things, not make it more confusing for them. You know, Nicodemus says, born again. He says, that is not physically possible. You know, here he was. I mean, he was a grown man. He knew what, he said, That's, I can't be reborn. And he says, how can a man be born again when he is old? And Jesus answered, Jesus' answer, Jesus's answer is the foundation for the New Testament church. 
In verse 5, he answers Nicodemus, but this is our foundation, what we're built on, what we stand on. It should be verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Today, you know, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in just a minute, but while being born of the water is defined as water baptism in the New Testament, it is a worthy and wonderful cause and subject, and it is something that must happen. But today, this lesson is centered more on the second half of what Jesus said. He says, being born again of the Spirit. While the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2, the experience, this, this experience that Jesus promised Nicodemus in Acts 2, it became a reality on the earth. Here, what Jesus was promising in Acts 2, we know, because we know that is that's the reality of that coming forth. Jesus did not say that a believer would be well served by receiving the Spirit. He did not say, nor did he say that we can be a better Christian if we do so. Nor did he say merely, did he merely recommend it. He commanded it in the clarity of the most boldest words he could say. He says, you must be born again. This scripture right here, all the ones that says in, the, in this statement, and I'll go back a little bit back over the water baptism, there's been people that preach this message and they say, well, it's just optional. You can do this if you want to. You can be baptized if you want to. Or the Holy Ghost is just for the, the most more, that's more committed or the ones that have a little closer walk with God. That's just for them. But Jesus said, you must be you must be born again if you're going to receive heaven. Of course, today we have a great advantage over Nicodemus. You know, we have a little advantage over him because he had never seen anyone being baptized with the Spirit. We, on the other hand, if you've been around church very long at all, we have testimonies of millions of believers who have experienced this wonderful for themselves. And if we know that, we know that they have because, as Jesus instructed, we have heard the sound. And today when we heard the sound, there is a sound associated with the filling of the Holy Spirit that is unique to it and completely confirms it. By examining, examining various times in the Bible, the book of Acts, when someone received the Holy Ghost, we can see the consistent sign given from heaven of that spiritual infilling. Just as they did in Acts 2, every individual that received the Holy Ghost spoke in another unknown tongue when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That was true for Nicodemus, and that is true for us today, here today. You know, and we look at, we, we've, I've saw people, in, and, I've, and it's been a, you know, a testament, when you see someone receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know, you don't have to tell them. You can see the difference in their countenance. You can see the difference in their life. But today, you know, when you see that, the evidence, though, is that they're speaking in other tongues. Today, I want to share one other, another testimony. And a few years ago, it's been several years ago now, but we was in the Dominican Republic, and we was having a revival there when we was on one of the mission trips there. We had a service there that night, and there was a Spanish guy standing beside the wall. Actually, he was the guard that they hired for that week to guard the, 
the, the supplies to where they didn't walk away at night while we was on the job site. And so he was standing beside the, the wall and he was just a normal, he was just a guy of the village or at the, there. And he was standing there by the wall and, and I noticed the guy was standing there, tears were flowing down his face and he spoke no English and I spoke no Spanish. And so we started praying, we started praying with him. And, and there was a guy that come over there and interpreted, that could, could interpret, that was with us on the trip and his, he started praying with this guy. You know, we, he, over them was speaking in Spanish, so I didn't know if they were speaking in tongues or speaking in Spanish at the moment because they were both speaking in Spanish. So, so just a few minutes later, the guy that was speaking in Spanish was talking to him, and we, we, I was, things God gave me, I was telling him, and he was telling him, and, and so I felt like we needed to lay hands on the guy and pray for him. And so me and the guy laid hands on the guy and started praying for him, and we were, they were both playing in Spanish, and I was playing in English, but, and, and it had nothing to do with me, but as soon as me and this guy that was with us on the trip, we, when we laid our hands on this guy and started praying for him, immediately he started speaking in tongues. And I could tell the difference. I knew he wasn't speaking in Spanish no more. I mean, yeah, he had stammering lips when he was speaking in Spanish, but when it changed over, it was in a different tongue. It was a different evidence. It was evidence that this guy was speaking in tongues. And so that changed my life. I had I'd been around people who got the Holy Ghost all my life. But I could but when everybody's speaking English, you know when they start speaking a different language. But when they're speaking a language you don't understand, and then when you see the difference, you know that there is a difference. And that changed my life on about the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because that was a thing in my life today, and that was so powerful to be able to watch that. There is only one way to be born again, and we must be filled with the Spirit of God through spirit baptism. Anything less does not bring us unto obedience to the teaching of Jesus. All these other teachings about what you need to do to be saved, anything less than being born of the Spirit does not bring us in obedience of what this Word says to do. This is not apostolic this is not the Pentecost, United Pentecostal Church. It's what the Word of God says to do that you must do to receive the Holy Ghost. This is why it was it was, this is why it is necessary for each of us to make this, desi this, this desire personal. We merely can't accept this by, by being in a church, or we cannot accept this by being in a world around this. Salvation must be a personal thing. I cannot stand up here and give somebody the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I wish I could. I wish I could. There's people that desire the Holy Ghost. I wish I could give it to them. But it's not a gift from me. It's a gift from God. It's not a gift from Brother Boyd. It's a gift from God. And so we must make that a personal thing. That is a personal thing. More than merely accepting this in our church, or even in the entire world, salvation must be personal. I will not automatically be filled with the Spirit simply because I attend Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I will not automatically be filled with the Holy Ghost if I go to a UPC church or an apostolic, any apostolic church. It must be personal. I do not receive the Spirit of baptism just by being a part of a family or in the heritage of this. I, have, I had a grandmother that was 
been here. My mother has been in this church. I've been in this church all my life. But I cannot, I cannot get the, I didn't get the Holy Ghost because my grandmother got it. I may be still alive because of my mother and my grandmother's prayers, but, but they, that may have helped, but, but I'm not, I couldn't have got it because I had to decide for myself I wanted this. So in other words, I don't receive it just because my grandmother had it. I don't receive it because my mother had it or my father had it. I have it because I want it. And it has to be personal. Paul referred to Timothy's grandmother and his mother. And he referred to them in 2 Timothy, he referred to them as a, their faith of his grandmother. The faith of his mother. And he says, and that trait, I feel like is in you too. But it didn't matter what Timothy's grandmother did. Didn't matter what Timothy's grandmother did. He had to, one day in his life, he had to make a decision for himself. Because the Bible said, before he went on ministry with Paul, that he had to be circumcised. Before he went on on to the ministry with Paul. So his heritage didn't, Bring he brought him so far, but then then they had to be a commitment. They had to be some circumcision in his life. There had to be some things in his life that he had to throw down. He had to cut out the flesh of his life. At that moment, he had to be personally committed before he could go any further. And so today, I tell us today, we have to have that personal commitment. I must desire and pursue this experience for myself. You must desire and pursue this experience for yourself. Since Jesus taught the necessity of being born again, it makes sense that we would find that record in those who had followed him, declaring the same truth. You know, we find Jesus, and it's not just Jesus in his three and a half years ministry. It wasn't Jesus that said that we had to do this. Yes, we did it. We've seen that in Acts. I mean, in John 3, we see where Jesus told Nicodemus, this is what you must do. But Jesus, his followers, followed in his footsteps, and they were preaching the same thing. The apostle Paul was recorded as teaching the same message. In Acts 19, Paul arrived in Ephesus, and he met a group of the disciples who had been impacted by John the Baptist's preaching. These men were not evil. They They were believers in the coming of Messiah. They desired to follow him and serve him but they were limited by their lack of knowledge of who he really was and what he taught and what, he, what they should do. You know, and today in this world today, you know, as you go in, especially in this community where we live, everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. And so today, and, and I feel like, it, and, there, and, I'm, and I'm not judging anybody because I don't judge nobody, but I'm here today to tell you there's, 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 there's people in some churches that don't know the whole truth. That may have a, that probably does have a better prayer life than I have. They may walk more closer, seem like, you know, if you watch their life, they may be more, seem like more godly than I am. And they're walking in what they know. So we don't, we don't discredit, discredit what they know because here, 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 Paul, he didn't discredit what they knew. He didn't say, well, you're not right. And he didn't get in a confrontation with them. He didn't get in them and say, argue, okay, let's get out the Bible and let's argue about what you believe, what I believe. Paul just said, 
Seeing their hunger, Paul posed the most important question to them. He just asked them a question. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's what Paul said. He said, he's, he, we're not going to debate this. I'm not going to debate what you, what you believe, what I believe. He said, just have you got the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, you must have the Holy Ghost. Do you have the Holy Ghost since you believed? Paul did not accept their sincerity as an adequate spiritual resume. He looked at them and he didn't say, well, because they're, they got a prayer life and they got this. And he just said, well, you know, they, got, they, dress, they dress right and their hairs look right and they, they look right and they act right. He didn't just take that as, he didn't just accept that. You know, sometimes in life, you know, we see people and we say, well, they must have a walk with God. They got everything just right. But Paul didn't say, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't accept that. He says, rather, as soon as he realized the men and their sincerity of the love for the Lord. And can I tell you, there's people around us that really love the Lord. They really have a relationship, as I said earlier, they have a relationship as far as they know. But that's not for us to condone that. We know the truth. We, we, God has revealed the truth to us, so we're called to share that. He prompted them to take the next, and that's what we must do. We must prompt them to make the very next step of obedience, and that is to be born again of the Spirit. Truth, faith should be followed by the baptism of the Spirit. It is a natural outflow of faith in him that has faith. When disciples of John responded with confusion that they had not ever heard of the Holy Ghost, Right then, Paul knew something was amiss in their relationship with God. When they said, well, I ain't never heard of this Holy Ghost thing you're talking about. He knew right then something wasn't just right. So Paul went a little bit further. He says, Paul was taken back by this response and he inquired about their water baptism. He said, okay, if you don't know about the Holy Ghost, let's back up one. Let's ask about your water baptism. How is you, well, he says, he said, upon that, he said, have you ever been baptized in the name of Jesus? And so the, the response obviously was, no, we haven't. <laughs> we was baptized in John's baptism. He said that was just a baptism of repentance. And Paul said, Paul addressed that immediately in Acts 5. He says, you must be born, baptized in the name of Jesus. And as they was baptized in the name of Jesus, the very next record we find is in verse 6. Of, verse, of Acts 19, it says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. But first they had to be baptized in the name. And I know that's a whole different subject today. That's not what we're talking about today, but, but that is an essential part. You must have repentance. And as Brother Tumman said, a dry eye repentance don't mean nothing. And that was so much truth to that. And then you must be baptized in Jesus' name. And then you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And that is, the, that is the, way, the only way to receive the Holy Ghost. As soon as they understood that Jesus was the Messiah, and as soon as they were baptized in the name of Jesus, these men were immediately born again of the Spirit when Paul prayed for them. Their faith was not enough. No matter how much faith they had in God can heal and there's Christians today that has faith that God can heal and God does heal them because God honors that faith. But their faith was not enough for their salvation. The water, their water baptism, as important as it is, was not enough. Yeah, it washed away their sins. 
Their sins were washed away. And I've had many men, and when they've come up out of the water, said, wow, I feel so clean because they've been washed away. Their sins been washed away. And that is an important part of, the, of salvation. But that's not enough. They had to be processed beyond mere mental assent to the truth. They had to be, have more than just believe the truth and demonstrate obedience and faith to that truth. Faith is always demonstrated by obedience. And obedience will always lead to a new birth for a hungry heart. If you obey the word, God's word, he will give you that promise of new birth if your hungry heart is hungry. While speaking with tongues is the initial sign of the infilling of the spirit, there must be other ongoing signs that God's spirit resides in us. I mean, if we speak in tongues, we know that's the evidence. But we should have some things that shows in our life after that. The list of this is not exhaustive, but God's spirit should produce fruit in us. We should see that our, our daily life, we should see a different person. We come up here and pray and speak in tongues and we walk from this place, our life should be changed. We should be a different person on the job. We should be a different person in the, at the grocery store. We should be a different person driving down the interstate when somebody cuts you off. God should change your life. And your fruit should show in your life. Another thing is the Holy Spirit should convict us. If we have the Holy Spirit inside us, there's some places in our life that we should be convicted not to go. There's places in our life, that, things in our life we should cut out of our life when the Holy Spirit's inside of us. You know, if, we, if it's a place that you wouldn't want Jesus to walk up on you at, not counting our pastor walking up on us at, you wouldn't want Jesus to walk up at on you at, doing or watching or whatever you're contemplating in, because Jesus living inside our heart, we shouldn't carry him to places. We shouldn't put him in places in life. And so it should, we should have the Holy Spirit that convicts us. His Spirit should pray through us in intercession. If we have his Spirit, so we should be, we should, Jesus' whole thing in life, or whole thing, the reason Jesus came to the earth was to reach lost souls. And so if we got him Spirit living inside of us, that should be our focus that should be our intercession every day is pray for people. You know, Jesus hung on a cross. That's how committed he was. And so if, we, if he hung on a cross, we should, if we had his spirit living inside of us, we should have that kind of commitment to do whatever we can to reach souls. Since the baptism of the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful experience, we should des desire everyone that we know sharing this gift. If here we here today and we're saying, this thing is so wonderful. I feel so good because I got the Holy Ghost. Why would we want all of our friends to have it? If you're here today and it's changed your life, why don't you want it to change somebody else's life? Each of us who is filled with the Spirit is commissioned to tell others. This is not a, this is not a calling just for preachers only. This is a commission for every believer. We're called to reach souls. We're called to reach reach. Our, our network of people. He left no room for discussion or no private opinion on this matter. He says, being born again is not a choice. That is right for some, but not for others. It is not an option. It cannot be exercised as one's pleasure. It is a universal mandate. 
of the church age. It is mandated that we must receive the Holy Ghost. According to 1 Corinthians 15 and 2, the gospel is defined as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know I touched on this just a minute ago, but briefly I just want to say, by obeying the gospel, by associating with Jesus' death in repentance, his burial in water baptism, and his resurrection by the Spirit, only through this life-giving power of the Spirit's in feeling do we have the life of Christ residing inside of us. Now if any man, Romans 8 and 9 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. God gives us this Spirit to help us resist and to persist the persistence of downward pull of the flesh. We have that Holy Ghost inside of us because I can tell you today when we walk out these doors or even today sitting on these pews, this flesh is trying to pull us down. There's temptations in our minds that we're facing every moment. Even trying to sit in this pew in the moment of time we've been in here. Even the Holy Ghost as strong as it was in here when we walked in these doors before service. The enemy is fighting for your attention. He's fighting for you. And so today the Holy Ghost will give us the power to withstand that and come over that. God gives us that spiritual to resist that. Then I, then I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We must walk in that spirit every day. The spirit empowers us for our everyday life. Not every child of God is called to be a preacher, but every child of God is called to be a minister of this gospel and a servant of this gospel. We are called to faithfully serve God. We can only accomplish something of eternal value by the strengths that comes from God's spirit. One man wisely said that a revelation without a response will only leave you with an education without an experience. And that, that statement is so true. We believe it, we know it, but if we don't respond to it, we don't respond to it, it leaves us with, what we, leave us with an education, but we don't have an experience. When you know what we must do and it only remains to, uh, for us, it only remains for us to do it. Today I've been talking about we've got to have the Holy Ghost. And today, as Paul said, I, I, I die daily. And so we have to die daily to keep that spirit filled inside of us. It is a decision that you will never regret. Amen. I, heard a man, I heard a statement, I read a story, and I heard a man, a lady that was um, telling this elderly man, elderly man of God, and he says, she said, uh, I don't think none of that's, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost. You don't have to worship like you do. You don't have to, you don't have to do all that. And his, his, his answer to her was, ma'am, you don't have to take a bath either. But it sure feels good. And it makes you, makes you pleasant to be around. And just as true as taking a bath makes us a little more feel better and, and we're a little bit more pleasant to be around, the Holy Ghost makes us that way too. It, it makes us feel good. And it sure makes us a little more pleasant to be around. In, re in reality, we do have to have the Spirit of God. It is a necessity. Today, as I begin to close today, we, the Holy Spirit is not just a, it's not just a recommendation. Okay. Jesus said you must have the Holy Spirit. As you stand today, let us, let us go to the Lord in prayer right now, Lord, that, that God will touch us the remainder part of this service and 
Lord, and let the Holy Ghost be poured out in today in this service. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to minister, Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God. Lord, we preached about the Holy Ghost and we preached about the most have this Spirit in our life. Today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to pour your Spirit out upon us today. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to allow us to be, re- be revealed to us today. And Lord, give us a desire, Lord Jesus, and Lord Jesus, move upon us today. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.